1: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review.
2: Three Martinis coming up.
3: Hey, glad you're with us on the Three Martini Lunch. We don't have any good martinis today, and if you saw the debate last night, you know why. You might hear a little bit of crosstalk in our intro music there. That's pretty much how it was all night long. <laughs> for a lot of different questions, on the debate stage in Cleveland, Trump, Biden, Chris Wallace. Uh, in case you didn't get enough of it, though, here's a couple of examples of what we're talking about. Well, I'll I'll give get you op-
0: a, I got rid of the individual mandate. I'm going to give you an me,
4: I got when rid I, of the individual mandate, which was a big chunk of Ob- plan. That is absolutely a big thing. That was but the worst I, I part didn't of ask Obamacare. Him, sir. Chris, You're that was the worst him, part of Obama. Let me ask my question. Well, I'll, I'll ask Joe. I, 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 the individual no, mandate I, was the most unpopular Mr. aspect of Obamacare. Mr. I got rid of it. I'd like you and to, we will protect people President, I'm the moderator operations. of this
0: debate, and I would like you to let me ask my question, and then you can answer your Go ahead, question.
3: And in case you can handle one more.
0: Wait, so I, I have to answer his statement. No, you have repeatedly... Wait, you have repeated. No, second. you've been talking you back and forth. You made a statement. Forth. I'm asking you... I would to You know, sir... I would love to You know, if you want to switch
4: seats... We, we, can, very quickly, we can do that. But send no, in I in the National I, Guard it would be over. There'd be no problem.
3: Okay, But they okay. don't want to accept the National Guard. So there's lots of different stuff we could say here, Jim. Uh, let's start with the fact that the president was interrupting. You made a good point on Twitter last night that this is kind of taking a page out of the Biden playbook. This is exactly what Joe Biden did uh, uh, to some extent with Paul Ryan in the vice presidential debate back in 2012 that had us so annoyed. Uh, I think he probably overdid it to the point where it, uh, where it definitely annoyed some people, even those who might be generally disposed to liking him. Uh, but for a lot of different points in, in the night, uh, Biden engaged in it somewhat too, and we'll get to Chris Wallace in a minute. Uh, it definitely made things... Chaotic to the point where I'm not sure anybody's mind got changed. We already knew from polls going in that most people were just watching to see how their candidate did. And I'm not sure anybody left feeling all that great last night.
2: Yeah, I guess, you know, we should probably begin with an apology to our listeners of having to just put up with even two (laughs) sound bites of that incoherent gobbledygook of of, I I don't quite understand. And there's, there's a lot to critique about all the participants last night. If you are President Trump and you believe that Joe Biden is uh, senile or, or close to senile, if you feel like he can't control what comes out of his mouth, if you feel like he has to defend a lot of extreme positions of other people in his party that he's uh, secretly being controlled by, or, or I think more likely that he will attempt to placate if he's elected president, if you feel like Biden can't handle the pressure If you feel like often his answers turn into incoherent word salad, why do you interrupt him constantly? Why not let him hang himself with his own words? Uh, I was thinking about how much four years ago. First of all, this was a very different Donald Trump than the Donald Trump we saw debating Hillary Clinton. It's interesting. A lot of people thought Hillary Clinton uh, won the debates. I obviously shouldn't win the election, so I don't know if it was necessarily that huge win that everybody thought it was. But you look back and you realize Trump had more good moments then you know you'd be in jail and stuff. And when he because he and he also he let Hillary speak a lot more than he did against Biden. And because of that, Hillary Clinton said things like, the Heller decision at the Supreme Court was about keeping guns out of the hands of toddlers, right? Hillary would say absolute nonsense that would get people at home sitting up and saying, come on, that's not true. And Trump never let Biden do that. And I think, well, you know, like it was a win by the measuring stick that Trump had the more dominant personality. I think that's very clear. It was a win in the sense that I think Biden never really got a chance to articulate his case against Trump or even really finish a thought Uh, But I don't think if you're running behind, as the polls seem to suggest Trump is, this is what you need to do. I think if you're a Biden supporter, I don't think you saw much last night that made you say this is not the right guy. If you're a Trump supporter, you probably loved it. Although I think there are probably some folks who don't think Trump uh, love it. I, I, I noticed Scott Adams, one of the president's most steadfast supporters, said that it was a tie. If Scott Adams said it was a tie, you didn't have a great evening. Um, I went through today's morning jolt, went through a whole bunch of folks who are not fans of Joe Biden. Guy Benson, um, Michael Goodwin over at the New York Post. Chris Christie said that afterwards Trump's problems can be worked out. Uh, you know, when, when Christie, the guy preparing you for the debate, is acknowledging things didn't go great. I think you didn't have a good night. And I think what's frustrating is there was a great opportunity there. there. There, are a lot of times where I think a lot of conservatives and even a lot of Trump supporters sitting at home were yelling at their television, saying, "Wait, you, you know, Trump, Biden just just refused to answer how he was going to, uh, whether he was going to add pack the court, expand the size of it." Uh, you know, Biden's line on antifa is a uh, what was it a philosophy, not a, not a not a militia or something like that. There were opportunities there. And that Trump really didn't take them because he was just in this constant hectoring, heckling, um, you know, that, that basically felt like his Twitter feed come to life. And maybe the fans loved it. Maybe the people who already liked him loved it. I don't think this dislodged any Biden supporters. And I think this is not I think the best case scenario if if Trump didn't just, you know, botch the entire thing is a sense that this was a giant missed opportunity. And when you're running behind, you need to make the most of your opportunities.
3: And we'll get to each of those that you mentioned, the, uh, the court packing question, as well as the uh, Antifa versus uh, white supremacist question coming up. But uh, let's talk about Chris Wallace for just a second. I need to apologize because I said he'd do the best job moderating. I thought he was the worst part of last night, not just because he couldn't keep control, and that's not necessarily his fault. If you can't actually get people to stop talking, if they won't stop talking, there's not a ton you can do about it. But I also thought he just injected himself too much anyway. One of the, the crosstalk you heard there was Wallace trying to ask a question about health care and Trump jumped the gun because he was attacking the premise of the question. And it it was about uh, whether or not the Republicans actually have a health care reform plan, something that's that's frustrated us uh, over time. And we certainly saw in 2017 there was at least no consensus on the Republican side about that. But Trump started talking about uh, getting rid of the individual mandate, bringing down drug prices, and Chris Wallace interjects with, well, that's not a comprehensive plan, which may be true, but that is not the job of the debate moderator. This is not Fox News Sunday. This is not a one-on-one interview. It's not your job to debate the candidate on the points, on the merits. Once you've asked the question, it's up to the other candidate to check him on either dodging the question or being wrong about the facts or just having a bad track record on it. It's not up to the moderator to do that. I don't know if Wallace got uh, so frustrated with Trump's uh, interrupting at times that he he felt like he, he, he just had to do that for some reason. But I think Wallace outstepped his role many different times last night. And I'm sure he was exasperated due to all the crosstalk, but I I think he injected himself way too much into the conversation.
2: Greg, I think that's a very fair criticism. I also think that's not really... I I was struck by the number of people, generally on the right, who decided that was the storyline. That was the big deal. That was the headline coming out of the night, was how unfair uh, Chris Wallace had been. I don't think that was the headline. I don't think that was the big takeaway. Um, I kind of wish you could just kind of, you know, step into an alternate universe and see that if Trump had not taken the approach he did and been more like he had in the 2016 debates, whether Wallace would have been as hostile. I I think you could probably say, looking at this, you know, Wallace probably feels more, uh, I don't want to say ideological sympathy, you know, I think it's safe to say that Wallace has a certain amount of contempt for President Trump. He he does it, but I think he generally we've seen him ask tough questions of everybody, and he did approach this as an in, you know as an interview, and that he was combative at times, and that wasn't really what the debate moderator is supposed to be. That having been said, when one of the candidates comes out and just blows up all the rules and decides that he's going to speak for his two minutes, and he's going to speak for a good chunk of Joe Biden's two minutes, that I think. Um, we saw we we saw we saw Wallace unleashed. Uh, I think that Wallace was reacting to what was going on in front of him. I don't have an enormous amount of animosity for uh, the way Wallace treated this. I, I don't you know, look. This got completely out of control. I don't think there was anything he could have done if he did not have the authority to cut off the microphones of the people who were were speaking out of turn.
3: I think, yes. And I think that uh, your your first point, I think, is the biggest takeaway. Uh, letting Joe Biden just ramble and gaff himself for an hour and a half or at least half of that time uh, would have been a far better approach because, you, you know, in, in a span of two minutes that he's going to tangle himself in knots on at least half the questions, if not more, contradict himself in the same answer or contradict a recently held position that he had. And Trump actually had a few decent one-liners in there that got completely lost because there was so much crosstalk. And so it uh, might be a little bit different um, in, in the town hall debate or, or, or beyond. But uh, that brings up the the next question before we go on to two of the other clips. The immediate liberal media reaction last night was, well, there should be no more debates. Um, <laughs> so I don't know that, yeah. that they wanted that as the premise for trying to urge Biden to to miss the, the last two opportunities to stumble here or, or or what. But there seemed to be absolute lockstep, at least on the uh, CNN and uh, MSNBC panels last night.
2: Yeah. And I, I as of this morning, Biden's campaign says he's going to participate in the next two debates. I, I, you know, I don't think that will change. I think you'll hear a lot more Democrats saying we shouldn't have the debates. And it's really hard to say. Based on what a dumpster fire last night was that, oh, no, these two next debates absolutely have to happen. I'd rather they happen than they didn't. But if it's just going to be 90 minutes of these two guys shouting over each other and creating incoherent uh, crosstalk, I don't know, is, is, it, is it wasting everybody's time? Is it is it a worthwhile use of everybody's time? I, I you know, I, I, I can i be I'm very curious about what the ratings are going to be, because my sneaking suspicion is, is that, you know, they're probably extremely high at the beginning. And I suspect every ten minutes or every you know increment, people change a channel and found a ball game or found something else to watch just because it was pain. It was it was painful. It was auditorily um, fingernails across a, b- a blackboard. It was just frustrating that neither guy could make a point. Neither guy could go back and forth. There was really almost no discussion of policy. And the great irony is, I think. You know, one of my colleagues read through the transcript and said that Trump actually made more points and got into more details, but you couldn't tell because he was just constantly hectoring and heckling. Blah, 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 blah. Um, it, it really, uh, I, I think you'll see. see the, the other advantage we have is the next debate is a vice presidential debate. Mike Pence is not going to follow the same strategy and approach. And I think it'll be more substantive, it'll be more detailed, I think it'll be more worthwhile. Uh, And hopefully that will, you know, but if the next two debates are going to be like this, maybe we don't have a third one. I don't know. All right, on to 4Patriots. Fantastic sponsor.
3: Find them at 4Patriots.com slash Martini. Uh, the great deal going on right now, the free solar panel that comes with the purchase of the Patriot Power Generator 2000X, and of course, their ongoing deal, free shipping on orders over $97. The key is to be prepared. Uh, you don't know when your power is going out. When you're prepared, you don't have to wait for the power company to turn the, the juice back on, and your appliances can be running while everybody else is waiting on pins and needles. The new uh, Patriot Power Generator 2000X has double the capacity uh, and is expandable so you can run the big appliances. Comes with 12 outlets, including 4AC plus 2 USB-C outlets that can charge your phone 20 times faster. Also, don't forget about the uh, deals that are ending soon. Uh, The Solar Go Fridge, the Sauna Wrap Therapeutic Blanket, and so much more. Visit 4Patriots.com slash Martini to get your Patriot Power Generator 2000X with the free solar panel included. Plus, get free shipping on orders over $97. Save more and get peace of mind now by going to the number 4patriots.com slash martini. That's 4patriots.com slash martini. Let's talk about one of the other moments that we uh, mentioned, and that's uh, towards the end of the debate when they got into violence in Portland and other places. Um antifa related uh also uh some uh militia groups have uh shown up i believe the proud boys were specifically mentioned last night but anyway here is the uh preface from wallace and then uh trump and biden talking about this issue you have repeatedly
0: criticized the the vice president for not specifically calling out antifa and other left-wing extremist groups but are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland. Sure, are you I'm prepared to, to do specifically that, do it? Well, I, go would ahead, say,
4: I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right so wing. So what, what, you you what are you saying? I'm, I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. Then do it, sir. Say I'm, it. Do it. Say it. Do you want to call them... What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. Right like me white supremacist, and white supremacists and white boys. stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left, because this is not a right his wing own, problem. This own is, own is a left FBI wing. This is a left right, wing. I'm problem. Ahead, white supremacists.
1: Antifa an idea, not an organization. Oh, you got it. Not kidding. militia. That's what All his right. an FBI. Idea. His okay. FBI
3: okay. director Gentlemen. said. So Biden's completely out to lunch there. No surprise. Uh, obviously, a lot of folks uh, lashing back at Trump, saying he didn't say stand down uh, to those extremist groups. He said stand back and stand by. So the, some people think that's code. Uh, Tim Scott says he think he just misspoke. It was an awkward time to misspeak. Um, so, uh, Jim, uh, the fact that uh, Joe Biden couldn't say that uh, he, he urged Ted Wheeler and others to put an end to the violence because he's not in office, was a particularly weak moment there in that part of the discussion as well. So what do you make about how these two guys handled it?
2: Yeah, a really frustrating exchange upon just one level after another. The first is, you know, you see a lot of accusations. The president is racist. The president is anti-Semitic. Let's get this out of the way. Obviously, you know, a man who lets his daughter or his daughter marries a Jewish man is probably not all that anti-Semitic. A man who moves the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem is probably not all all that anti-Semitic. A man who's got lifelong friendships with the likes of Don King is probably not a white supremacist or white nationalist. But Trump does have some sort of lack of guardrails in his mind that kind of prevent him from just reacting the way most people would reacting. If at any point Trump had said, yes, of course I denounce white nationalists, of course I denounce militias, to hell with these guys, the entire segment would have ended. There, There wouldn't have been anything there. Trump gets into this like weird, stubborn little game where he says he's willing to say it and then doesn't actually say it. And, you know, thinking back to his, you know, fine people on both sides, the president and his defenders insist he didn't mean the people marching in Charlottesville who were white nationalists, and who were, there was some Nazi flag and all that kind of stuff. He, he didn't mean those people. He meant the, you know, very fine people who merely wanted to keep a Confederate statue. But his words came out all jumbled and left that impression that he is. Uh, that they were the president thought they were very fine amongst the crazed white nationalists in that crowd. Last night again, if Trump had just said, screw those guys. I want nothing to do with them. If're from you know if, you, if you're one of them, you're not for me. You know, you don't, we, we don't share the same values. He could have done any of that, and it would have worked terrific. For some reason, he always feels this need to dance around it. People are sending me, oh, look, you know, he's, all these other times he said it, Well okay, he's in front he's you know, got the whole country watching. The, the first debate of the, the re-election bid. This is about as grand an opportunity as you're going to have. He could have put it to bed. And instead, he says, proud boys, stand back and stand by. Now, I'm hearing a lot of people say, well, what he meant to say was stand down. Well, if you mean stand down, say stand down. Don't say stand back and stand by. He always has these weird little things. And of course, within milliseconds, he wants to shift to i'll tell you what somebody's got to do something about antifa on the left because this is not a right-wing problem this is a left-wing problem within seconds he wants to shift it back now if he just said screw the proud boys i want nothing to do with them they're the worst you know they're the worst then he would be able to shift and everybody nobody would have given him any grief and he could have turned it and i think you can, can give joe biden real grief for saying uh that antifa is an idea not an organization come on they're an organization it's not ideas that are running around smashing, build, smashing windows and setting uh, things on fire. It's people. And, you know, but uh, nobody's going to talk about that because, you know, Trump out of nowhere says proud boys stand back and stand by. Why is it he always gets so tongue tied when it turns to this particular issue?
1: Hey guys, it's Mock and Daisy from Chicks on the Right. We're excited to tell you about our podcast, the Mock and Daisy Common Sense Cast. From discussing topics like cancel culture, what's happening to our new generations, crises in our nation, and even some high-profile interviews, each week we touch on subjects that matter to us and matter to you. And we're not afraid to tell you how it is, so tune in every week to hear us talk about the things or even just get a good laugh. To find out more, go to our website, ChicksOnTheRight.com, or start listening on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Don't forget to leave Leave a comment or review and subscribe.
4: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.
3: let's talk about another issue where somebody can't give a straight answer. We've talked about it a number of times now, and that's court packing. This was fairly early on in the debate. In fact, Supreme Court was the very first issue out of the box. Uh, they talked about uh, whether or not it was appropriate to uh, confirm a justice right now, right before the election. Obviously, the two candidates disagreed on that. It's interesting that Biden says Amy Coney Barrett would uh, end Obamacare, but he said he had no problem with the justice. So maybe he's telegraphing that he already knows he'll be on the court. But uh, here's Chris Wallace asking Biden about his refusal to actually take a position publicly on court packing. You call this
0: a distraction by the president. But in fact, it wasn't brought up by the president. It was brought up by some of your Democratic colleagues in in the Congress. So my question to you is you have refused in the past to talk about it. Are you willing to tell the American people tonight whether or not you will support either ending the filibuster or... Packing the court. Whatever
1: position I take on that, that'll become the issue. The issue is the American people should speak. You should go out and vote. You're in voting now. Vote and let your senators know how you strongly you feel. Court? Let Vote now. Are you pack the Make court? sure you, in fact, let people know you're a senator. I'm not going to answer the question Why because, you that because question? the you question is.
4: The question
3: is. Listen, who is on your list, Joe? Uh, Jim, obviously Trump jumped in there. He probably should have let Biden hang himself right there. But uh, Joe
2: Biden is looking worse and worse as this issue drags on. Yeah, I, I just taped the editors with my colleagues, Rich and uh, Charlie, and Charlie made a very good point about the power of silence. You know, Biden was flailing there. Biden was determined to not give an answer. And I actually think. it. You know, one of the reasons you and I thought Wallace would do a good job is that Wallace is usually pretty good if he doesn't get an answer of asking the question again. Right. And just letting, you know, uh, letting Biden wriggle in the spotlight instead of letting that happen. Trump jumps in. And even if you know, Trump could have jumped in and said, you know, yes or no. Will you expand the size of the Supreme Court? Yes or no. You know, I just try to you, know, you know, emphasize that because the more a guy refuses to give you the answer, no, I will not, the more the likelihood of the answer secretly is yes. He just doesn't want to admit it. Um, But then he jumps in with who's on your list, which is a separate issue. It's a a valid issue. But Trump is just coming with all these things that nothing really penetrates. Nothing really. There's no time for the viewer to kind of hear it and process it and digest it and think about, like, yeah, what does it mean that Joe Biden won't name his Supreme Court justices? Trump's got like 40 names on his list right now. We know who who he thinks is a good kind of judge. We know what kind of judges he likes. We know what kind of values he's looking for. This should be a winning issue for Trump. And I think it probably still will be on balance. But boy, that exchange last night could have gone so much better for him. And Biden, yeah, he just uh, refuses
3: to answer that question. I don't know who's telling him to say that. I'm guessing that's not something he would think on his own, because if we know anything about Joe Biden over the years, it's that he has an instinct to blab, not hide stuff necessarily, depending on what the issue is. And so uh, he's getting some advice on that. And it's not good advice. Uh, I mean, all you have to say there is no. And he's already got a couple of Democrats on the record, including Joe Manchin, Allegedly Diane Feinstein, I think Kirsten Cinema said no to killing the filibuster. So uh, barring a massive landslide by Democrats in the US Senate races this year, it's not even going to be an option. so it's not really going that far out on the limb uh, unless he's uh, worried about alienating folks on, on the far left. Which is also an interesting point last night, because uh, he also said there was no manifesto, no agreement with Bernie Sanders. That's pretty easy to fact check. Uh, that he was, uh, you know, drifting more on healthcare and towards the Green New Deal. He tried to separate himself on that, and I don't think it was very convincing. But again, if he had been left a twist in the wind, it would have been even more convincing.
2: Yeah, I, you know, it's just one missed opportunity after another on this, and it's just deeply frustrating. You know, maybe first of all. The next, the vice presidential debate is a week from now. And I think Pence will probably show a little bit more message discipline. Um, and Harris has been particularly disingenuous on this. Look, uh, last summer, Joe Biden had said basically kind of laughed it off or scoffed at the idea of expanding the court. I think I'm, I'm waiting for somebody, maybe Pence will be the guy, I will say, look, most Democrats weren't really thinking about expanding the court last year because Ruth Bader Ginsburg was alive. When Ruth Bader Ginsburg died and the you know perceived balance on the court was like, likely to shift from five to four to six to three, all of a sudden they, you know, like, oh, wait a second, we can't wait for Clarence Thomas uh, to retire. We can't wait for Samuel Alito to retire. We can't be, feel confident, you know, Bri- we'll, we'll switch, swap out Breyer with a younger vote who will be there for 30 years. That's what's changed. Democrats believe they must always win at the Supreme Court. And if they're not winning, well, then it's, it's not they have to change. It's the court that has to change. That's what's at stake here. And I'm waiting for somebody to lay it out that way, because I think this is a very winnable fight for the right. But I just don't. Uh, just, you, know, you can't do it when you're just, you know, when it's just endless crosstalk and gobbledygook. That's
3: an interesting thing. And, you know, I don't know if it's because, you know, I'm a Cubs fan and you're a Jets fan and, and we're not used to winning a lot, although the Cubs have been <laughs> a little bit better lately. Um you know, no matter what seems to happen at the court, there's always somebody else that uh, makes, your, <laughs> makes your expectations go up in smoke. Uh, whether it's O'Connor drifting to the left, uh, Kennedy drifting to the left, now Roberts drifting to the left, and if there's another conservative appointed, who knows? It could be Kavanaugh. Gorsuch has been a little bit uh, interesting on a number of cases. So uh, the idea that you're you're guaranteed to always have a conservative outcome on the court if Amy Barrett's on there and there are no other changes for a while. I think is uh, wishful thinking, unfortunately.
2: <laughs> yeah, you, you know, the interesting thing is you know, remember all the pressure around the Obamacare decision in 2012 and Harry Reid and all these Democrats really kept beating the drums and it clearly was designed to intimidate you know, Justice John Roberts. You know, The legitimacy of the court is at stake. If five of you have the audacity to rule the way we don't want on what admittedly was a big issue in the, you know, in the upcoming presidential election, well, then the court is not legitimate anymore. Well, no, that's not that. It's, it's perception, right? What it means is that a whole bunch of folks on the left who follow legal issues will be very, very upset about this. That's that's what they mean by loss of legitimacy. Hey, guess what, guys? Roe v. Wade made many people very, very upset, right? Legitimacy of the court is not dependent on whether it rules the way you want, right? The legitimacy of the court is, does it follow the constitution or, you know, does it feel like, okay, You can see where they're coming from on this. That is a reasonable interpretation of what the founders meant. That is a reasonable interpretation of what the Constitution allows the government to do and doesn't allow the government to do. Or does it feel like they're just making it up out of of thin air and they're just pulling this stuff out of wherever because that's what they want the law to be and they don't really care about how they get there. That's how – you. I could rant about this all day, Greg. Nah, that's
3: a good rant because it reminds me of uh, Obama going to the Rose Garden and do the same type of intimidation. And his uh, his line was that uh, there's never been a time when Congress has passed a law and a president has signed it that the court has overturned it. And I'm like, what? (laughs) That's exactly what the point of the court is, is to be a check and balance on the other two branches. But uh, like you said, whole other uh, show, whole other rant. Uh, but that was a really weird moment in Supreme Court history. Uh, Jim, let's rest up and uh, be back with, uh, with full speed tomorrow. We'll see you then.
2: Uh, you know, this, this day has been a long week.
3: <laughs> Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Carumbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch. Leave us a kind review and a five-star rating. We're always thankful for those. Also, you can get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. And please join us Thursday for the next Three Martini Lunch.